All right. Hey, this is Brent Leary. And uh, yeah, I'm uh, sheltering in place still. I'm still doing uh, the LinkedIn Live here, uh, you know, just kind of doing what everybody else is doing. But uh, I'm really happy to have with me Mark Andrews, who's from Pegasystems. And we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, something that's kind of really near and dear and important to a lot of small businesses right now. Uh, that whole PPP uh, uh, paycheck. Uh, what is that? Paycheck, paycheck protection program. Paycheck protection program. And and it's been out and, you know, people have been applying and it looked like uh, maybe it's run out, but maybe it's going to start to replenish. But Mark is going to talk about what Pegasystems is doing to kind of help banks who've just been crushed with the demand for this thing. Because, I mean, let's face it, this, you know, we're shut down. Small businesses are shut down and they want to keep their employees and they want to be able to reopen their businesses when when yeah, the pandemic kind of passes. So uh, I want to hear what Peg is doing to help with that. But Mark, before we jump into all of that, maybe you can tell people a little bit about your background. Uh, yeah, I've been working in the banking and technology industry for around 25 years or so and uh, joined Pega back in October to help drive uh, application of Pega capabilities in banking and insurance. Okay, so let's let's get into it. I mean, I think there is almost a deal for a second round of uh, investment for this PPP program. Um, but let's talk about just why it, it, the money just flew out before. I, I don't really know. Did it make a, a full week before they were announcing it was running out? But maybe you could just give us a little bit of a, a high end view of what's going on with the PPP program from from your perspective. You know, I think it, you know, it was viewed as something uh, as a potential lifeboat uh, to save a lot of the small businesses that are struggling to stay afloat right now. And uh, obviously, there are a lot of businesses suffering that needed to help when you saw how how many applications came in. And this is a somewhat unique program, even unique compared to the programs we're seeing in other countries, whereas the government is offering to not just back the loans, but actually grant forgiveness for the loans completely. I mean, they're almost more of grants rather than loans in reality, uh, as long as they're used for certain purposes and specified purposes. And uh, this is part of what is led to the challenge that banks had. If you remember when the program went live that first uh, Friday, a week and a half or so ago, uh, many of the banks were struggling to even take in applications, accept things, uh, the government had given certain guidelines around where they were uh, trying to put in place uh, recommendations to process these within a 24-hour period, which is just nothing uh, what most banks are equipped to handle for these types of, uh, of loans. And that's where we saw a lot of the struggle. Many banks were just receiving more applications than they could handle. And it led to them, one, having to pull in a lot of other people across the organization to deal with them. People from other parts of the, the bank were being pulled in. I have a friend that worked at a, a regional bank that worked in the commercial banking area, not dealing with small business loans. And last weekend, uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before got called in and was asked to basically work on all these loan applications over the period of that weekend. And another thing they were struggling with is there, there are very specific guidelines around who's eligible for uh, these loans, how much money they can actually, you know, the maximum amount that they can actually uh, 
uh, borrow and get grant, you know, get grants on based on those circumstances. And banks were struggling to figure out what those were. Uh, my friend told me that just over the period of the weekend, they were the the policies and rules that they were given to review these changed three times just over the course of the weekend as they were trying to figure figure them out. Right. Uh, so that's been a, a big problem. And then when you look at all the applications that came in, the only way that banks were able to deal with this is by putting up kind of dead, dumb web forms, something to just capture this onslaught of, uh, of applications and then figure out you know, how to manually deal with them. And what happened is because they weren't able to put in place intelligence into those front end applications, people would submit applications that didn't necessarily adhere to the guidelines. And they, they're not finding that out until a human has to actually go in review the application, see how much they applied for, see if they met the eligibility criteria. So they're spending a lot of their time on that upfront part versus even the reviewing the loan application to determine if it you know, has the right credit worthiness and if they are um, willing to actually support the loan and, uh, uh, you know, and provide that, that customer with the loan. It was this pretty much across the board. Every bank was kind of faced with this and having the same kind of issues. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the there's a certain set of banks that were really participating in the program, but there were over 30, 30 banks participating in the program. They're pretty much more the, the larger to medium sized banks, but they're all struggling. And as you can imagine, the, the large banks have significant IT departments and uh, are probably a little bit more prepared for putting in place a, you know, new online application or web form to capture this information. The the, the next tier of banks were struggling even more because they don't have the same resources as you know the top five do to deal with something ad hoc like this. And especially at this scale, I mean, it's not only something that's ad hoc, but you know, some of these banks were receiving hundreds of thousands of applications. Uh, and I don't know that they're, you know, any of them are really used to handling that volume of these types of loan applications at one point in, point in time. Yeah, that's curious. Do you do you know if uh, th these kind of new programs do they are do banks handle these things typically with more manual uh, labor, so to speak, rather than having automated processes in place to handle these new kind of programs? Well, I think traditionally, um, you know, these things when they ha they have peaks and and valleys in there loan applications and various different processes where they're you know supporting whether it's new applications customer service requests things like that but we're seeing this hit across all parts of the organization and you know everyone uses the word unprecedented times and it really is unprecedented for banks to have to deal with this type of spike in volume so i don't think it you know yes they would normally just throw additional people at the process but this is at a whole new level than they're used to dealing with. And that's part of where we were trying to inject capabilities. And what's interesting is uh, Pega's kind of motto or tagline, even before all of this was build for change. And we couldn't have you know, had a more, more appropriate tagline coming into this. And that's what we're seeing our clients are now doing is they're leveraging their existing Pega platforms to quickly make modifications to how they handle that intake. Um, there's a great example. While in the U.S., the, all the lending is going through the banks, in some other countries, it's the actual government 
organizations themselves that are managing the applications or doing the lending. And in Germany, uh, the Bavarian state government put in place a program at the beginning of March, um, started putting in place a program at the beginning of March to make money available for some of these small businesses. And they had a similar issue where they had a very simplistic dumb web form on there and they were struggling to deal with the quick increase in volume. And within a matter of five days, they were able to put in place a new online lending application that automated the process from front to back, did the eligibility, um, checked the eligibility guidelines, did the maximum loan calcul amount loan calculations and handled even the processing and notification to the institutions for fulfillment of the funds to the, the small businesses bank accounts. And within, they, they got the system up and running in, a, in five days. And within wow. the first two weeks, they processed over 200,000 applications and doled out 229 million euros to small to medium sized businesses across the state of Bavaria in Germany. So very successful um, program to get something up and running quickly. And that was sort of what we modeled our solution around. So what we did is we went and created intelligent forms that automatically calculated the maximum loan amount based on the information the business provides, and then checks the eligibility. And, and we've basically codified the Small Business Administration loan application form. So they published a PDF of the loan application we codified those into intelligent forms so that you could basically filter out all of those loan applications. So instead of manually having to review 100,000 loan applications, you could filter out the ones that didn't meet the eligibility guidelines or ask people are putting in the amounts based on their information. It automatically calculates how much they, the maximum amount you can loan to them so that a person doesn't have to deal with that and manage that. That way, the, the resources, the human resources at the bank can focus just on reviewing and deciding which loans they want to actually move forward with. And then we're trying to automate some of the activities around the fulfillment. So just like in Germany, we the Bavarian government used PEGA to automate the actual submission of the funds to the, account, uh, to the business's account at the bank. Similarly here, our clients are using PEGA to automate the submission of the information to the SBA for the review and approval so they can then ultimately fulfill the loan through their normal fulfillment and servicing systems. So you basically uh, created what I think you guys call the, the crisis small business lending application. Is this kind of what you're describing right here? Correct. So we introduced and we just made available um, uh, last week a crisis small business lending application. And really it's something that can sit on top of uh, our customers' existing PEGA platforms. We're not charging separately for this particular application. We're making it available to all of our PEGA clients so that they can more quickly respond to these needs. And we really did build it out, not as a specific uh, payment protection program lending application, but we built it out as a general purpose crisis-oriented small business lending application where it's designed to be able to, to encode and codify those uh, eligibility requirement checks, the calculations and automate the processing and even enable banks to route, uh, to distribute route and route 
loan applications to different groups of people based on the type of loan it is, things of that nature. And while we recognized that the money was running out quickly, what we did um, we, we did foresee and we knew that there were discussions already happening around an additional round, which you, you know, referenced at the beginning of this. And it's looking more and more like that's going to happen uh, and potentially happen soon. So there will be additional funds made available. So banks are going to have to open back up, you know, the, the coffers and the, the, the interface, uh, you know, their, their systems for accepting new applications. But on top of that, you know, there, it is likely there may be additional programs like this over the summer as we start seeing the real impact of the shutdown on uh, small and medium-sized businesses. There's different types of programs in other countries. The UK has the UK Coronavirus Business Interruption Loan Scheme, which is a somewhat similar thing that more provides government guarantees for up to 80% of the loan versus a full grant based on certain usage. Um, and there are also other parts of the problem that we see banks having to deal with. So um, one thing is accepting the loan application, but I just spoke to another bank uh, this morning actually, and what we're, what we're finding is banks were scrambling just to receive these and take on these loan applications, but the guidelines in the payment protection program stipulated certain requirements on how the money is used right. for the small businesses to actually be forgiven the, the loan and for them to be treated as a grant and only parts of it may be eligible to be kind of forgiven, if you will. It's, you know, if they've used the money for payroll purposes for a minimum, you know, for the first eight weeks and there's certain other things they can use it for like rent and a few other items. Um, so banks are, you know, just figured out how to take in and submit the loan applications. But now most of them are, you know, haven't even tackled the problem yet of how to manage compliance with those guidelines, how to track and monitor whether or not the business actually used the funds for those purposes and whether or not they will be able to have the SBA pay off part of the loan for them versus having to go back to the actual small business. So part of what we've done is enabled you to not only establish a case for managing that initial loan application, but to also establish cases to manage the compliance with the terms of the particular loan agreement. And again, in other programs like the UK program, there are certain guidelines there that you have to make sure you monitor and are in compliance with to have the 80% um, guarantee. So similar manners. And that's why it's so important to do this in a automated case-based approach. Again, a lot of people put in these dumb web forms, just put it in quick and dirty, um, you know, App applications to just, or even systems to just monitor and, or to just take in and complete the applications, but they will need to track these over time. And that's part of what we're enabling uh, our clients to do is really not just take in the application, but monitor the adhe adherence to the terms and ensure that, you know, eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks from now, that they're able to get the money from the SBA um, where it's authorized to forgive those loans. So this is great because it's not just, you know, kind of focused on the front end, you know, just trying to make sure we are able to take everything in, but also be able to keep track of everything. And I know uh, when it comes to the forgiveness part, people are going to be, you know, they're going to be very happy to get the, the initial loan, but they want to make sure that they're able to, you know, go the forgiveness route if they can at all possible. So, I know there would be a there's going to be a crush 
against the banks for folks saying, hey, are we good with the forgiving part too? Yeah. And, and that brings up another great point is if you don't have a case-based system to manage all these applications that have come in, imagine the increased burden on your call centers and your customer service when all of these businesses eight weeks from now start calling in to find out what's going on. Even now we're seeing a lot of businesses are calling in to figure out, okay, what happened with my loan? Did I get it? You know, am I one of the people that got it? Because, you know, they're hearing about how the money ran out. And it's the new money comes in. So one of the things that we built into our application is automated customer notification. So as an application comes in, if it meets the eligibility guidelines and goes through those initial steps, the customer is notified it's been accepted and meets the criteria. Once it's actually processed and reviewed and approved, automating the notification to the um, to the business if it's been approved or if it's been rejected or maybe it's been put into a hold status now because they don't have any more funds, but maybe it, you know, it's still eligible and they're waiting to see if they're going to get new funds. So automating those communications will you know, keep the banks from getting a, another round of being inundated in the call center or customer service. And same thing down the line, as you mentioned, it's a great point eight weeks from now when they're calling to say, hey, has this been forgiven? If we can automate that and just send them a notification, hey, your loan met the criteria, it was forgiven, or we need to confirm it's being, it's met the criteria here, you know, with a link to go and provide the documentation to prove that the money was used for payroll purposes and or rent, enable them to online submit that information, automate the checks, then send them a notification, you know, you will take a, a huge burden off of the individuals, the call center staff, the loan officers that you can imagine are going to be fielding a bunch of calls eight weeks from now. So uh, are you just rolling this out or do you already have banks uh, using this application? Uh, so as I mentioned, it started off with some banks leveraging our technology to deliver these capabilities in some other regions. And now we have a few banks that have downloaded our reference application that we made available in our PEGA marketplace and are starting to work around with it. Um, we have a lot of banks that are using PEGA already to deal with some of these different aspects. And now what we've really been doing is, again, trying to provide an accelerator. We're, we're at this point trying to help our, our clients, the banks, deal with this onslaught of, uh, you know, of requests from customers, of the applications, things of that nature. So primarily it's around providing accelerators and tools to help our, our bank, banking clients address these requirements more quickly. Do you see a, a, a time where it's not just the banks, but I, I think uh, isn't like PayPal doing something or like other organizations outside of banks that could potentially have this kind of need to automate these processes as well? Yeah, absolutely. We're seeing a, a lot of other types of financial services related organizations or organizations that have a foothold in some financial services from at one aspect. What was interesting is, you know, leading up into this period towards the, you know, over the period of last year, the banks were already starting to be under threat from a lot of these fintechs, from a lot of these larger consumer oriented um, digital organizations, the Amazons and Apples, et cetera, that are starting to get into financial services related products, whether it's credit cards or lending or other types of financing. Um, so all of these other types of organizations are looking to, to play and take a role here. Now, what we're seeing is it's, um, it's a little bit more focused on the organizations that have 
small business oriented customers and accounts, which are the PayPal's and the squares and those types of organizations that have those relationships because it's very hard in this, you can't do a 24 hour turnaround on a loan application on a new customer where you don't have any of their information and there are still certain KYC, know your customer related requirements for onboarding a new customer. Um, so the banks need to be, and other financial institutions need to be careful that they don't start letting other bad actors into the financial system through this as a loophole because they're letting someone, lending someone some money, a new customer that they don't have the appropriate information on. So that's the other thing that we've been focused on looking at doing is how do we accelerate that KYC process? And there are a lot of banks already using PEGA for their onboarding and KYC related due diligence, the regulatory compliance due diligence, internationally FATCA due diligence, things of that nature. Uh, but typically these are processes that, that, you know, they're used to taking a longer time. And I think overall, not just in this area, we're seeing this crisis is highlighting a lot of the, the digital gaps, a lot of the the processes that take longer than maybe they should. And while right now most people are just focused on kind of firefighting and plugging the holes, we do think as people start getting, I won't say, we don't know what the new normal is gonna be, but once they get back to a, a more standardized way of operating, um, they're gonna look to how do they support this new way of operating moving for, forward? How do they really start finally accelerating those digital transformation efforts that they had kind of let slide or not been moving as aggressively on before this all started. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, uh, it seems like <clears throat> there was a lot of talk about digital transformation uh, over the last several years, um, but maybe it was more talk and maybe it was more digital transition than it, than it was digital transformation. So do you see this accelerating true digital transformation where it's not just you know automating processes that we already knew about, but complete, maybe potentially changing the way things work to take full advantage of what the technology allows. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, interestingly, we had been talking going into this year about how we believed that the, the banks were had been only getting to a certain level in their digital transformation journeys, and they were kind of lacking that incentive to take it further. And if you look at digital transformation within the banking industry, a lot of the banks have you know, talked about and have started to put in place uh, digital capabilities, but typically they've focused on a very specific set of processes like bill pay, like, you know, mobile and P2P payment. There's been a set of activities that banks would rightfully say we fully digitally enabled. Um, however, what we're now seeing is the gaps in which set of services they actually have truly digitally enabled are is what's getting highlighted in this time. We're seeing that they might've digitized certain processes, but not all of the processes. In addition, they haven't necessarily completed the integration between their front end and back end systems. A lot of times it's, you know, slick front ends to capture information from the customer, but it's kind of like ignore the man behind the uh, curtain, like in the Wizard of Oz, where, you know, it's a bunch of a hamster wheel in the back that's actually getting things done. Uh, and that's what doesn't scale when you truly digitize across uh, across the bank, across the different processes, across the customer base. We're seeing you know, a whole set of customers that had not made that digital leap before, now making being forced to make that digital leap 
and the banks seeing what it means to need to to service and support those people. Yeah, it seems like the the as you were saying the the transformational aspects were around efficiencies and being able to you know maybe uh, scale certain um, processes to make them more efficient and more cost effective. But that's only part of the tran transformational you know formula. There's you know doing what we already do more efficiently, but then what about how we could actually do this? Well, how could we not just make it a more efficient customer experience, but how can we make it a, a more you know, pleasurable customer experience? What can we do to take advantage of these technologies to actually go beyond <laughs> just making our current processes as efficient and cost-effective as possible? Well, that, that's a great point that you bring up. And in fact, it's it's one of the other layers of digital transformation that we believe uh, was sort of lacking a lot of environments, and that is personalizing the digital experience. Uh, a lot of people put in these digital interfaces and they're fairly common regardless of which customer comes on board. And you might have some high level segmentation, uh, but it's lacked that personalization to the individual customer, what they need, what's most relevant to them. And we did have a few banks that had started that journey of personalizing their digital experiences, leveraging some of our capabilities. And we have some pretty advanced uh, customer decisioning and one-to-one -one engagement capabilities. And there's a great example of Commonwealth Bank of Australia that was using, were, they were using these capabilities before the crisis and leading up to it. But once the crisis hit, because of the capabilities they had to um, in an agile way, immediately change the types of offers, the types of um, even just the types of information that were displayed to a customer when they logged on to online banking, when they op opened their mobile banking app, uh, when they called into the call center, what the customer service agent would talk about, or even in the IVR. Um, they were able, within a matter of days, able to modify their customer treatment strategies and proactively identify the customers that were in most need and deliver targeted um, customer servicing offers. So instead of trying to cross sell them, they focused on how they can help those customers and how they can proactively keep those customers from calling into the call center. So they, within a matter of five days, were able to touch and identify over 750,000 customers in need and went out and directly offered things like mortgage payment holidays or defer, deferral of a payment, reduced interest rates on some of their payments, um, waiver of certain fees, things of that nature, uh, so that they could out, you know, proactively outreach to their customers and help them and ensure that what was sent to them wasn't a new you know, savings offer or investment offer when they're struggling to just pay their bills, but to recognize that and send something that's more relevant to them and focuses. And I think that's the other big thing that we're seeing is it's changing the focus, demonstrating empathy to your customers and talking about how you can help them versus trying to sell to them in this particular time. You hit on, on one of the, these, reoccurring themes that I've had as I've had these conversations and talking to folks like yourself that are, you know, the companies are, are trying to respond to a, a really tragic situation, the empathy part and about how you want to be viewed as, as a, as a vendor when, when the chips were down, 
you were not just looking at a, at your customer as a transaction. You were looking at them as a full relationship. Somebody you, you really had the empathy for and were trying to you know help them get past a very tough situation. So that once we are past that, they remember that and they you know respond to that as opposed to being viewed as a vendor who you know basically treat them as a transaction that you know once the chips were down and you didn't really show them any love so to speak mm-hmm. you know the transaction was gone so you were gone too as opposed to uh companies who are looking for ways to help you know to help get them through the storm and then once the storm is passed and things are on a much you know better footing they're going to gravitate to those who help them and not the ones who just viewed them as a transaction. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the banks are recognizing this, that they have to be like that with their customers and they need to make sure they're there to help them so that they stay with them through this crisis and beyond versus just, you know, eliminating customers as part of this. Um, And, you know, we view the same way our banking clients that we want to be there to help them. We're not trying to just monetize the situation. What we want to do is demonstrate how they can get value from the platforms they've already invested in, frankly. I mean, we typically deal with the larger to midsize uh, financial services institutions. We're in the majority of financial services institutions, the in the majority of the you know top 30 banks in the U.S., in the majority of the global top 50 banks. And what we're trying to do is help them in this time of need and show them you know, why they should be happy that they made that investment decision in the past and that we are going to be here for them to help them now and in the future and and help them put in things that will support the new way of operating in the future versus just helping them put band-aids on top of, you know, the the immediate problems. Hey, Mark, this has been a great conversation. Where can people go to learn more about, you know, the crisis small business lending uh, application you guys put together? So uh, the great thing is we've, uh, we're highlighting all of our new solutions on pega.com. Uh, we have actually introduced around 18 different solutions across different industries. Uh, there are three in particular in financial services, another three in insurance. Uh, but if you go to pega.com, you'll see the, the crisis response solutions that Pega has introduced to the marketplace. And on our marketplace, the crisis small business lending app is available for download today. And we're actually introducing a new one today around customer request triage, crisis-related customer request triage, which will be available uh, by the end of today for download also from our marketplace. Hey, this has been great. Uh, thanks again for taking the time to, to share. I mean, this is a lot of great information. I I hope whatever the bill gets passed, it gets passed quickly. And and maybe having a system like yours on top of uh, you know some of the other uh, applications will help people get their applications processed quicker and get some money flowing out because people are definitely in need of it. Absolutely. Well, thank you for the time. I enjoyed this. Okay. And stay safe. (laughs) Okay. You too. Take care.